Hey everyone, welcome back to the True Crime Friday podcast. It's my week, and if you can tell by the title, it's a fucking disgusting one. You can tell it's my week. I feel like everyone can tell when it's my week, when they see the title of the latest episode, and they're just kind of like, yep, this one's disgusting, this one's a Lauren week. Woohoo. So yeah, if you are not from the UK, you may not be aware of this case, and you may not be aware of how much of a big deal it was. This is the episode on Jimmy Savile, so there's going to be a disclaimer for this episode because there just has to be. Before going into this episode, you need to be aware that we will be talking about paedophilia, sex abuse, sexual assault, child sex abuse, uh, violence, rape, suicide. There will also be mentions of sexual abuse to people who are disabled people who were brain damaged and sexual it's just a lot of sexual abuse to being completely honest this man was prolific and horrific and we're gonna go into it this is gonna be a long one matt has no idea that we're doing this episode he was very adamant on me not telling him so this is gonna be a funny reaction so yeah uh enjoy the episode or don't. I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good right now. But <laughs> we're gonna see if that stays that way, which it probably won't. Probably won't. It, it probably won't. I decided to pick a very... Um, you're gonna know it. You hundred percent know it. What if I don't know it? You hundred percent do. Am I? Oh, so I have mentioned this before then. No, you you, you just will know it. There's gonna be a lot of people who know this case. I feel the fact I don't know it. I'm gonna feel so stupid. So everyone, today's episode is on Jimmy Savile. Oh. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Yeah, there, there's no way in hell that I wouldn't know. Or, in fact, any British person wouldn't know. Exactly. So, we're not 100% sure if this is going to be... Starting this recording right now, we're not 100% sure if this is going to be a two-parter or not. It depends on how long it takes us to record, because we've both got jobs and lives and shit, guys, and we record this uh, <laughs> we record this late on Thursday on Thursday nights. So it ends up being a two part it's a two parter, but um I've got a It lot probably of... could be even a two parter based on how much information there is because well, this is what I mean. I mean I've I, I mean, you told me who it is, and I already know from not knowing the entire full th- story that there is a shit ton there is a of lot. info. Yeah, a is. lot. And a lot that's still probably not said. Yeah, there is a lot in this guy. So if you're from the UK, you hundred percent know who this guy is. If you're from the UK and you've been and you've been alive the past decade, then you definitely know who this guy is. If you have, if you, if you like you are a child, then turn this off. This is not for you. <laughs> this is definitely for every people. Who, I'd say no. true, I'd say true crime podcasts are more for like sixteen plus. Don't be don't be listening to any. Don't. It's all grim. And this one is particularly disgusting. So if you're not from the UK, you may have heard the name Jimmy Savile passed around in, like, memes or something. Because 
the way that the British tend to um, deal with horrific things is we have a dark sense of humour towards it. It's our way of coping. I feel like dark humour is a British way of coping with horrific things. Yeah, a lot of dark humour. A lot of dark humour, I guess, in, 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 in general... From comedians and that sort of thing, and even on some talk shows, that sort of thing, dark humor just slips in. Yeah, and Jimmy Savile is a person now that we that of that in the UK. There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of memes. You can buy Jimmy Savile costumes. You never. Oh, see- can you? You didn't. Well, yeah, you didn't know. Oh, I haven't really been searching for that there's, or seen any. There's this stag. I saw this video. It did make me laugh. I'm going to hell for laughing. There was a stag stag dude that did a video of them of um the 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 stag the stags were um dressed as Jimmy Savile, Gary Glitter, Rolf Harris. Um, Michael Christ. Michael Jackson and and, oh, and, and Adam Johnson and they were chasing after the groom who was obviously dressed as a child well you know what they say fuck off Adam Johnson you you're going down for nonsense yeah. <laughs> we, we handle things in a very grotesque way so we're going to be going into a little bit about his life in terms of childhood a little bit about his career we're not going to go too much into his career because not especially like the actual what he did in terms of it because well his career is the reason why he did a lot of the things and he did a lot of the things that he ended up doing whilst at work so yeah so strap in strap in yeah this is uh, a big one so James Wilson Vincent Savile was a was an English DJ and television and radio personality who hosted BBC shows including Top of the Pops, which a lot of people may know, and Jim Will Fix It. During his lifetime, he was well known in the UK for his eccentric image and his charitable work. However, after his death, hundreds of allegations of sexual abuse made him made were made against him were investigated, leading the police to conclude that he had been a predatory sex offender and possibly one of Britain's most prolific. There had been a, there had been allegations during his lifetime, but they were dismissed and accusers ignored or disbelieved. Savile took legal action against some of the accusers. Uh, so Savile was born on consort terror. Uh, Terrace on the in the Burley area of Leeds uh, in West Yorkshire. He is the youngest of seven children. Well, he was the youngest of seven children in a Roman Catholic family. His parents were Vincent Joseph, um, Marie Savile, a bookmaker's clerk and insurance agent, and his wife Agnes Monica Kelly Savile. Uh, now the thing is, you will there's some things about Agnes and Jimmy that were a bit there was there were rumours. There are rumours about him and his mum having a weird relationship. He called her the Duchess. Weird in a sexual way? There were rumours. There were rumours. Oh, God. There, there, there were rumours about it. Don't fuck your mum or dad. Yeah. So Savile grew up during the Great Depression and later claimed, I was forged in the crucible of want. He is a f- Some of the things he says is just weird, by the way. 
Uh, he described his father as honest, but also broke. It's a great depression, dude. As a teenager during the Second World War, he worked in coal mines as a bevin boy and reportedly sustained spinal injuries. To be fair, you look at any picture of Jimmy Savile, he always kind of has a little bit of a hunch in like every single picture. And he's also always looked old. Like, even when he was a teenager like, or in his 20s, he looked old. He's never looked young. Yeah, whenever I saw like photos of him, I thought he's just got that a face stuck as if he's got an old man's face. Yeah. Much. Like you know how you, you see people, and then you you see when the, them when they're younger, and you can see there's been a definite facial change. Yeah, he's one of those people where it's like it's just the same face if you're like a Lego figure. Yeah, no, that's true. So he began a career in playing rec playing records and later managing dance halls. In his twenties, he was a professional wrestler at one point. His media career started as a disc jockey at Radio Luxembourg in 1958 and on Tyne T's television in 1960. And he developed kind of a little bit of a reputation at this point for being very eccentric and very flamboyant. And this is like the 60s going into the 70s, so that was kind of the thing at that point. A lot of celebrities were being a bit more flamboyant and made them a lot more popular. Yeah, Bowie, for example. For example, on the flamboyance, not on the other thing, obviously. Uh, Jimmy Savile's autobiography, As It Happens, published in 1974, contains multiple admissions of criminal behaviour, apparently without Savile's self-incrimination being noticed. He would joke to the press when they phoned him, uh, she told me she was over 16. It's also, yeah, the seven, I, it's also the 70s. Like, why? I don't know why, but whenever I see something about, like, someone making a joke about them being a pedo in the 70s, no one fucking bats an eyelid to kind of just laugh. Yeah, um... It, it's one of those things, especially with him, where he joked about it a lot and a lot. said it a lot. And There was one, like, was it a few years before he died? Was it on... Was that when he was eating that banana? What was he on? What TV show was he on? Was it 8 out of 10 cats or was it Mock the Week? Was 8 out of 10 cats on it? He wouldn't have been on... He wouldn't have been on... I might have to Google this. What is it? I know he was on there with a lot of comedians. And he mm. said that he was... Um, Feared and he was feared and banned from every girls' school in the country. He made a joke about that, and you just oh saw everyone else on the panels just pull a face. Um, oh, yeah, I, I remember seeing this, but it's um, let me have a look because I know it was, I feel like he was eight out of ten cats. He's definitely not Mark the Week, I know that for sure. Um, Mm. Uh, I can't. Oh, I'm seeing it as well. Is it that? Or was it Would I Lie to You? It might have been Would I Lie to You. Well, um. Did that. Yeah, it was Would I Lie to You. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was Would I, what I Lie thought. to You, yeah. Um. Is it? Yeah, is this make sure it is? Is it? I think it was either would I lie to you or 
Oh, no, it's not. Have I got news for you? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, he made a joke yeah. on there about how he's feared in every girl's school in the country and every single comedian pulled a face. Not yeah. one not one of them was fine with it. Not one of them laughed either. They all kind of pulled a face as if to be like, what the fuck did he just say? But this was around... But bear in mind, wasn't that on Channel 4? No, actually, this was years ago. This was broadcast on the 20th of May, 1999. Wasn't that on Channel 4, though? Um, I swear that's always been on channel. Has that always been on channel four or is that BBC? Uh that's BBC. Oh fucking hell. Because it's nineteen ninety nine because I remember this because he also oh. says here, because I'm on the actual there's a fandom wiki for Have I Got News for You. And um and it also says here, and when asked what he does in his caravan, he answered, Anybody I can lay my hands on. Yeah. It's obviously one of the a few episodes of the show that are no longer shown due to um, yes. Controversial people such as Rolf Harris, the scandal was addressed. Um, uh, the scandal, oh, hosted by Claire Balding, where the panel talked about the scandal and the fake outtake transcript. Yeah. Um, sometime after he appeared on the show, an alleged transcript of an outtake from the episode he appeared in was posted online. The transcript is allegedly of two separate conversations involving Paul, Ian, Angus, and when they have meant to discuss the pedo claims. The transcripts had resurfaced in 2012 after different women made claims. Um, and Paul Merton uh, publicly declared the transcripts a hoax. Ian also declared a hoax. Um, in the hoax transcripts, claimed Savile was on Paul's team, but he was really on Ian's team. But yeah, I do remember this because uh, it's a key part just to mention the fact that he's... Um, mentioned it so many times or hinted at it because he's one of those people it's kind of like um reference well basically like scream if anyone's seen I'm, I'm a massive fan of scream the horror film yeah have you seen the original scream yes because in the original scream if no one's seen it basically throughout the entire film it's basically the people who are the killers hint at the fact that it's them yeah and it's on that, and he's doing that same thing on the level where he knows what he's done, but he just hints at it, and no one picks up on it, because and he gets away with it, and he feels like he can just hint at it more. And people think, like, "Oh, ha, that's funny." But if they actually took it from a serious note and went, Wait, "Hang on, what did you just say?" Yeah, he hinted at it so often, literally over the decades that he was doing it, and people, like in a gloating just, way. Yeah, he kind of just was like, "Well, no one's." Like, it, it just became a normal thing. Well, not normal, but it just became a thing. Really, but yeah. Um, so, press investigations dating back to at least 1973 did not lead to the publication of any direct accusations being made against Savile, though rumours persisted and were mentioned in the print media for many years. One thing that is very much known around this time, in the 70, in the late 70s to early 80s, was there was a famous interview that still get mentioned a lot to this day where Sex Pistols and public image f uh, frontman Johnny Rotten uh, basically he was getting interviewed around this time and he said along the lines of he knows about Savile he knows the rumours he knows that people he knows that the BBC are covering up things the BBC had banned 
uh, Johnny Rotten around this time or something. They like banned him. So he just went, oh, I know that they're protecting Savile because we all know the rumours. We've all heard things. They're all true. And he said this back then. So they were, Because they, were, they, they were, refused to air it as well, didn't they? Yeah, they refused to air it's like, it. It's like 1978 or something. Yeah. Because um, um, what is it? I got it up here because I can't remember. Oh, yeah, because he actually does mention his name because they... Um, because uh, the, the the woman asks him, it's not direct asking him, but she basically asks him, would you like to make a film? And he's like, yes, I'd like to kill a lot of people. Uh, I, yes, in it, I'd like to kill a lot of people. And she um, says to list some of them, and he says, well, they'd be all famous names. I'd like to kill McJagger on film, but I bet he'd never do it because his ego would be deflated or something absurd. It's easier to list the people I don't want to kill, all five of them. Linden continued. At this point, he is asked how he intends to go about the mass killing, to which he responds, I don't know. I just want to make a film of it. I want to kill Jimmy Savile. He's a hypocrite. I bet he's into all kinds of seediness that we all know about, but aren't allowed to talk about. I know some rumours, he added. I bet, and he also says, um, you know, I bet none of this will be allowed out. And, um, you know, John Lydon, you can take it for what you will, um, him, you either like him or you don't, but, you know, him saying stuff like that, he's a pretty smart guy. He doesn't hold back on what he thinks, that sort of thing. So, this, because I don't know if you had any notes, but this got resurfaced again because yeah, it was like after he went went on. Um, it was after he it was after Jimmy Savile died and after everything came out. That... No, but it was the what's the show that Piers Morgan does when he just chats to folk? Yeah, it was one of Piers Morgan's chat shows. Yeah, John Lennon went on there and they basically mentioned it again. Well, they played it. Yeah, they actually played it. Yeah, and he went, and I, he went I was right. I, I mean, I, I've i heard this. And you can see in his face that he, he damn well knew. And he never liked the BBC or any of that stuff for a while because obviously when the Sex Pistols and that stuff came out, especially at that time, hmm. it was... Um, I mean, for people younger people listening, there was a time where like some stuff you'd listen to and you think, oh, that got banned and you're just like, yes... You know, it's the point where like they're banging, banging, they're banning songs from the charts, like Sex Pistols had songs on the charts where they wouldn't even list it. God Save the Queen or like Anarchy in the UK, it was either one of them where it just it was just a blank listing. Oh, it was God and Save the Queen. It's the same thing with like, um, I think it's Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Mm. One of their songs got to number one. Was it Two Tribes or what? No. Um, what the hell? Oh, Relax. I think it was Relax. It was banned by the BBC. Their their debut song that went to um um you know it went I think it went to number one maybe. It says about it says about two minute comments, but the BBC banned it. Mm. And obviously you'd think, well, why people? Why are the BBC like banning this stuff? You know, well, you know the BBC must have loads of things to hide underneath. So obviously at the time, he gets interviewed, speaks his mouth, and the BBC, oh, we can't have that. Keep that away. Only until the bad thing. Is over with and it's all done with. It's like, oh no, we we had this, so I highly recommend you listen to the interview of him saying it because after knowing what's happened and knowing that years and years someone said, I think I know what's going on, and he was just that wasn't allowed to be outed is ridiculous and horrible. But yeah, so so Savile. For people who don't know too much about him, 
He appeared regularly on the BBC show Top of the Pops from 1964 up until 1984, and he was a presenter on the first programme, which went live on the 1st of January 1964. Uh, this was all in a converted church building in Manchester. Lovely. lovely when Wait, lovely. he was the first host of Top of the Pops? Yeah. Ah, because... I didn't know he hosted it, and it was only when I was actually searching for videos from uh, the Skids. If you don't know, the Skids are uh, probably the most one of the most famous punk bands to come from Scotland. Um, and there was a video of them performing on top of the Pops, uh, performing their song Charade, or Charade, however you want to say it, but it's pronounced Charade. And I looked at the video, and guess who I see? Him uh, introducing the band, and all the comments were the same, saying, oh, for fuck's sake you know, him hosting it. I'm like, that's the last thing I wanted to see. A lot of a video top of the pops. And then he's the one introducing a band I like. And it's like, uh, you know, yeah. and he, then he just fucking, yeah. oh, it's horrible. So he, yeah, he hosted it for pretty much 20 years. Uh, he would eventually be brought back to take part of the very last programming of top of the pops in July, 2006. Obviously if you're in the UK. You'll know that, that it, the, the top of the pops gets played every Christmas day. But it used to be a regular programming, and it that stopped in July two thousand six. And at the wow. end, yeah. And at the end, uh, there was a shot of him switching off the studio lights, and that's how the show ended. His participation, his participation in this program, which was very popular with young audiences, must have con- would have contributed in no small part to his celebrity status in the eyes of many young people. This is why a lot of kids were comfortable with him because he was well this. Well, they were comfortable with him, like, before... Well, well yeah. yeah. There was yeah, a lot of youngsters on the show. Yeah, because... In the, in the audience. Yeah, because it's... The top of the Pops, theoretically, it was a show aimed at kids and teenagers. That's what the whole... It was a music show aimed at teenagers, primarily. And they used yeah, to I have mean... te- teenagers brought into the audience. Like, he was aimed at young people. I, to be to be fair, Top of the Pops is probably one of the most successful British shows that there, uh, you know, ever ever been. Because in terms of like actually, um, shows to do with music, you know, you've got like your MTV and everything. And Top of the Pops was like yeah, MTV one, now. one of the biggest, you know, like shows for people probably finding music back in the day. You know, turn on the telly, see a band perform. Yeah. Obviously, in this day and age, and later things, it's been like. Late Night with Conan O'Brien, or for, for us in our community, um, for the scene community as well, I, I don't know if you do this, Lauren, but I watch a lot of performances of Late Night on Conan O'Brien, or... Um, O'Brien. Or the... Uh, I can't remember what the... Um, uh, who's the other chat show host, dude? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Because there's a lot of scene bands that have been on that show. Um, you know, Census Fail, Hawthorne Heights, um, loads of scene bands have performed on there, or like David Letterman as well. Uh, that's we we'd find it, but that's more like a chat show sort of sort of thing. Top of the Pops is so like dedicated to music, and a lot of people watched it. So him hosting it, they're gonna know who the hell he is. Well, yeah, um, exactly. It, then he, he's sorry. I was gonna say like he's not just like there from the top of the show and just shows the music like in between introducing the acts there's probably talking on it that he does what so so he's not just at the beginning introduces the show and that's it he's physically there running through the whole thing so when you turn it on and you hear the band after the band finishes he comes back on again yeah exactly 
So he also claimed the key to his success even further when he ended up hosting the popular British, uh, well, popular BBC program Jim Will Fix It, which is what he is mostly known for. Uh, now the thing is, though, apparently he hated kids. Like, I mean, this is the show he did. Cause the B, I don't know what what the BBC did, but they basically greenlit him a show. Yeah. I don't know much about the show, but if you get given your own show with your name in it, it's a pretty big deal, especially back then. So basically, the concept of Jim Will Fix it was um, children were right into the show um, with something that they want to be able to do. So, like, I want to be able to go skydiving. I want to be able to go do this. But if, because it's a kid's imagination, they'd come up with the most insane shit. Not the most insane shit, but some, like, typical children-like things. And they'd write into the show, and it would be the whole, oh, Jim will fix it for this, to for you to be able to do it. Kind of thing. And that would basically be, that would be the concept of the show. So kids would write in with the thing that they want fixed, and he would fix it for them, and they get to do the thing that they want to do on the show. And they get a reward, or isn't it like lanyard or something like that? They get something like that, but they also get their wish granted and that's the whole point yeah it's like it's a lanyard of pencil or whatnot some sh- little thing as a like a memento of you were on the show so obviously you're saying that you hated children and everything um now he also said something as well there's another thing that he he said that is weird um he said a lot of weird things but this one in particular so he said at one point that he did not own a computer. This was in an interview in the ninety in nineteen ninety. He said he didn't own a computer because he didn't want people to think that he was downloading child pornography. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Check, when you check, say- check, check, just uh, look into the dude. If someone's saying that. Yeah, you know if someone says, oh, I'm not using this, and then proceed to name something specific, mm-hmm. then it's a bit weird, you know? It's like if you said, oh, I don't own a TV because I don't want to watch, like, Stranger Things. It's just like, well, are you implying that you do? You know, if if you just said a general thing, if if someone said, that, oh, I don't own this because I don't want to watch, you know, like, um, bad videos, that's just a general sense of, you know, you could be watching all types of bad videos that come under that realm. But if you specifically say cheese pizza, which if anyone doesn't know is the, uh, you know, the safe word code people use for describing that thing if you don't want to actually indirectly say it, um, then it's like, well, why would you specifically mention that? That's a bit weird. If you just specifically mention that niche thing, that's yeah. kind of like red flags of like, well, you don't just mention that for nothing. Well, yeah. Um, so he was mostly honored honored for a lot of his charity work. He was mostly honored by, uh, well, now King Charles quite a lot for his charity for his charity work. He was awarded the OBE in nineteen seventy one, and he was also knighted in nineteen ninety. Another weird one. So he was very good friends with Charles. Charles hasn't got a good rep for being friends with pedos, I'm not going to lie. He's got a really bad reputation for that. But he was friends with Charles, and um, 
He was brought in as a marriage counsellor for Diana and Charles when they were having their marriage to their marriage problems in the eighties. Like they brought him in to fix their marriage. Um, I'm confused at the fact. I'm I'm just looking here. There's two things I want to say, but the one thing I want to say is why did it get brought back after he died for a one-off? What do you mean? In 2011, it says here, the BBC announced on the 14th of November 2011, following Savile's death, the show would return for a one-time Christmas special. Yeah, they wanted to attribute... Um, Shane Ritchie is the host. Yeah, they... Only letters for fix-its from children under 14 were eligible for the revived format. Yeah, so they wanted to do a tribute. After he died? Like... Well, at this point, like, at this point, it was rumours. So they were like... Oh. They were like, okay, let's do this tribute on around Christmas. This would make sense. And they planned this whole tribute out. And this was around the time people who were working for Newsnight had looked into all the accusations and they'd actually came up with a full investigation that they'd made and they wanted that to go out on Newsnight. All those people were sacked. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that. But so they gave the info to ITV, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the other one that I found was interesting, because it's got a notable fix-its, because I thought people would come on with tit-tat and go, can you fix this? And I don't know if you, you had this one written down, and it's to do with a band. I feel like I go on. Do you, have, do you have this one written down? Have you, can you guess what band it is? Uh, no, go on. So in the 19, it says here, in the 1980s, a young boy called Dom Lawson, who now works for Kerrang! and Metal Hammer magazines, got his wish to be Iron Maiden's tech for the day and that's meet the sick. band. Oh, that's sick. The incident was described in Iron Maiden's A Matter of Life and Death tour book where Dom Lawson speaks about Iron Maiden and his history on the band. Now, obviously the show now has got a fucking bad rep, but in the 80s, getting a wish to be Iron Maiden's tech for the day and meet the band? That's a fucking lucky bugger. And he works for Kerrang! and Metal Hammer now, but maybe that's why he got the job at Kerrang! Oh, you, you met Iron Maiden as a tech for a day. That's quite sick. That you know, if 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 that's the level that they were going to of like you can meet a famous band and be their tech for the day, if somebody else has got a shitty oh I'll fix your broken chair, they'd think fucking hell this guy's got way better than me. So for those who also weren't aware, um, there was a documentary in April two thousand. It was a it was a Louis Theroux documentary all about Jimmy Savile, and it was called When Louis Met Savile. In it, Louis asked Savile about speculation that he was a paedophile, because obviously at this point there were rumours and they were a bit more out there, but obviously people were just turning heads about it. Savile said, We live in a very funny world, and it's easier for me <clears throat> as a single man to say I don't like children, because that puts a lot of... Um, uh, salacious tabloid people off the hunt. How do they know whether I am or not? Does anyone know whether I am or not? Nobody knows whether I am or not. I know I'm not. That would make your brain scramble, and you know that's what he's doing. I mean, Louis Theroux is just a genuinely nice guy. 
Um, well, yeah, because then he made a second one in 2016, a follow-up called Louis Through Savile, and that's about how he couldn't detect like anything because obviously there's cameras walking about. Savile's not exactly going to be as obvious. Yeah. But he did. But there is something that he did say, Louis Through, that he was he was creepy. Towards towards a lot of the women in the office, he was very creepy, and he dressed inappropriately, and all this kind of stuff, and he would say certain things to the women and everything that were really off and really creepy at times, and all this kind of stuff. Obviously, we've said that he would say a lot of things that would be obvious about what he was. There was one interview that he did. After Gary Glitter was arrested. Because obviously, for those who don't know, Savile and Gary were very close friends at one point. Now, they, someone asked Jimmy Savile in an interview about, like, oh, about all these things about Gary being arrested, Gary Glitter being arrested for child pornography and all this kind of stuff. Jimmy Savile responded along the lines of and this is horrific that he doesn't understand why everyone's making such a big deal about it he just had some naughty images on his computer leave him alone fucking hell yep 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 So in 2007, Savile was actually interviewed under caution by police investigating an allegation of indecent, of, of indecent assault at the now-closed Duncroft-approved school for girls near well, in Surrey. In the 1970s, he was a regular visitor around the time. The Crown Prosecution Service advised that there was insufficient evidence to take any further action and, not char- and no charges were brought. In 2012, it was reported that staff at the school had not been questioned about the allegations at the time. A former headmistress of the school said that she had been hoodwinked by Savile, but described some of those who had brought the allegations as delinquents. We will go into Duncroft. Do not worry. And there was a lot of evidence. The police just didn't look. In March 2008, Savile began legal proceedings against the Sun newspaper, which had linked him in several articles to child abuse at the Jersey Children's Home. Uh, Savile denied visiting the home, but admitted doing so after a photograph was published showing him at the home surrounded by children, so he was there. The state of Jersey police said an allegation of indecent assault by Savile at the home in the 1970s had been investigated in 2008, but there had been insufficient evidence to proceed. There was not. <laughs> there was evidence. Immediately after Savile's death, uh, Murroy Jones and Liz McKean from the BBC programme Newsnight began to investigate reports that he had sexually abused children. They interviewed one alleged victim on camera and talked to others who were willing to be quoted about alleged abuse at Duncroft approved school, the BBC and Stoke Mandeville Hospital. The former headmistress of Duncroft was was one of the victim's own auntie. The Newsnight team, which included former police detective Mark Williams Thomas, also found out about a 2009 Surrey police investigation into Savile. 
The report was scheduled for broadcast on the 7th of December 2011, but a decision was taken to cancel this transmission, which developed into a major crisis for the BBC when the allegations against Savile were made public in October 2012. The subsequent Pollard review found that, found that Jones and McKean had, had assembled uh, evidence that Savile had a history of abusing young women and Newsnight had been, ta- had been in a position to break the story in 2011. In November 2021, Mark Williams Thomas spoke to, GB, spoke to GB News calling the BBC's treatment of the allegations absolutely appalling. In January 2012, the Sunday Mirror reported that Newsnight had investigated allegations of sexual abuse immediately after Savile's death, but that the report had been solved. An article by Miles Gosselet of in the March 2012 editing of the Oldie alleged a cover-up. The BBC showed two Savile tributes over the 2011 Christmas period, and it was alleged that the Newsnight report had been dropped because its content would have compromised the showing of the tributes. A joint submission to the Leveson Inquiry from Anna Van Heeswink and Jackie Hunt, Heather Harvey and Marie Larassi was titled Just the Women, a phrase which was reportedly written by Newsnight editor Pete Rippon in an email to a colleague concerning the lack of other authorities for the evidence of Savile's abuse. The Newsnight spokesman said any suggestion that a story was dropped for anything other than editorial reasons is completely untrue. Yeah, they literally dropped everything that was coming forward about Savile because they want they want to interrupt the tributes to him. Uh, newspaper reports claim Douglas McGridge, controller of BBC Radio One in the early seventies, was aware of the allegations against Savile and asked for the, a report in nineteen seventy three. Derek Chinnery, controller of Radio BBC Radio 1 from 1978 to 1985, recalled an occasion where he confronted Savile, saying, I asked, what's all this? What's all these rumours we hear about you, Jimmy? He said, that's all nonsense, and there was no reason to disbelieve it. Michael Gray told Channel 4 News that during his time at the BBC, he had fleetingly heard rumours about Savile, but described claims as a cover-up as ludicrous. BBC said no evidence of allegations of misconduct or actual misconduct by Savile had been found in its files and denied that there had been a cover-up of his activities. Well, you're not exactly going to log it, now are you? You're covering up for him. It's like, oh yeah, let's mm-hmm. write all this down that we've been covering up for this pedo for the past few fucking decades. Yeah, let's just make this, let's put this from written paper so there's evidence of us doing it. Yeah, they're not going to fucking write it down, now are they? So yeah, also, if you want some, we're going to obviously go into Duncroft, we're going to go into Duncroft, we're going to go into Stoke Mandeville, we're going to go into Leeds General Infirmary, we're going to go into Top of the Pops, we're going to go into Jim Will Fix It, and we're going to go into Prince, well, King Charles, we're going to go into all this shit. Yeah, I just want to mention, there's a couple of things I've been looking at on the back, but I mentioned it earlier, but I, I looked at it now, the banana. Because I mentioned it, and people thinking, maybe thinking, why did you mention a banana? But do you know about the banana incident? No. So he appeared on a show with Scottish broadcaster Andrew Neil, and this was one of his like decoys because this this guy tried to hide 
hide him, his stuff, right? So he's on the show, and the DJ asks him, he's like, oh, um, you're a DJ, you know, have you had, um, have you had, like, lots of girlfriends? Um, or oh, lots of female relationships, sorry. And then he uh, says, I, I would hope so, being alive this long. And then he's like, I'm not asking for any names or anything like that, you know. And he's like, just asking for the general principle. And within saying that, you know, after he said, no, I'm not asking for any names, he just brings out a banana from his pocket and starts peeling the banana and eating it. And then, like, the crowd and other people are distracted, like, why are you eating a banana? And people looked back on this and they were like, who goes on a chat show, speaks to someone, and has a banana in their pocket? He brought the banana on because he knew that he would be asked hard questions, which he would have to give answers to. So he took a banana as a decoy just to eat it so he could avoid answering the questions because he's asked him, have you had any relationships with women? Because you're a DJ, you know, you're quite famous. He's like, oh, I think so. And tries to hide the fact that he knows that he was having stuff with very young, young people. And that he was probably going to get asked questions about that. So he just eating a banana as a decoy to shift the attention away. Jesus. And I, I, I also remember this as well. Because um, obviously we mentioned Mock the Week. I love Mock the Week, but there was a section on it. Uh, I, need, I mentioned Mock the Week because they actually made jokes in there and they had to redo them um, sometimes for certain things. You know, I think some stuff... Redo as in the sense of like the episode had to be uh, cut so they had to cut stuff out, or they can't do, uh, you know, certain jokes. And there was a section, well, there's two, uh, one I meant to mention, but I remember Chris Addison made this joke, and I don't know if anyone got it, but it's like, unlikely things to hear on Doctor Who. And then it's like, um, what was it? Wait. Yeah, it's like, uh, his joke was, yes, I mainly hang on young women, Yes, I was on TV in the 1970s. Where are you going with this? You know, poking fun at the fact that a lot of people in the 1970s who were on the telly were doing dodgy things. Mm. But Hugh Dennis used to always make a joke. Um, and it used to go something like, and the band was Shawadi Wadi. And it's it was a joke poking fun at the way I think Jim introduced the band Shawadi Wadi once, but it was kind of, like, kind of like a recurring joke that he would make in referencing that. But obviously after the acquisitions came out, he had to just stop doing the joke. But afraid is it was a long-running gag poking fun at his accent, I think. And um, something to do with the band Shawadi Wadi. I think it was the way Jim mentioned it or something in the Top of the Pops maybe or something. But I just remember the Chris Addison one thinking, oh, that's dark. But, you know, also funny. But that is, like we said, people poking humour at dark situations because obviously he's just referencing the fact that a lot of... People doing noncy stuff were on the telly in the 1970s. Oh, yeah, you know, hanging out with young girls. But uh, the banana incident is one I've always found interesting because, you know, as we said, he was hit, he'd hint at the fact he did this stuff, but would also try and avoid it. And I thought that, you know, coming on a talk show with a banana and just eating it to avoid the question instead of just saying nothing to divert the attention is is just fucking ridiculous. Because he knew fine well. He knew fine oh, well that yeah, people were going to ask him questions. He knew that people were going to ask him questions. And then he just brings a fucking banana to avoid the questions. Because obviously now when people do chat shows, they just try and talk over the other person, blah, 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 and, you know, stop them from 
or just stay in silence. But that's how fucked he was. He knew that he was doing Nazi stuff and that people were going to try and dig at him. So what do you do? Fucking eat a banana. So now I'm going to go into some of the claims that were made about him. Some of these can get a bit uncomfortable. So just a pre-warning. So claims were made about Savile's activities in hospitals. It was claimed that he sexually abused a 13-year-old patient during a visit to Stoke Mandeville Hospital in 1971 and an 8-year-old girl in the, in the same hospital recovering from an operation. Staff reported that he searched the wards for young patients to abuse and they actually instructed patients in the children's wards to pretend to sleep when he visited. The hospital spokesman said that though it was... Working, that though he was working with the police, it has no record of inappropriate behaviour by Savile. The police carried statements from a retired detective inspector for, of the local police force that a nurse at Stoke Mandeville Hospital had reported Savile's abuse of patients there to him in the 1970s and he had repeat, repeatedly informed his superiors about this, but no one believed him. A former nurse said that she saw Savile molest a brain-damaged patient at Leeds Hospital, saying... He kissed her and I thought he was a visitor coming to see her and he started rubbing his hands down her arms and then I don't know of a nice way to put it, but he molested her. Savile was a volunteer at Broadmoor Hospital as well and in August 1988 was appointed to chair an interim task force overseeing the management of the hospital. After its management board had been suspended, it is alleged that Savile had hospital keys and access to patients' rooms. In a separate allegation, a lawyer said a client had been abused by Savile when he was a ten-year-old when he was a ten-year-old at one of the children's homes in Jersey. Louis Fernandez, uh, sorry, Louis Fernandez, uh, Julie Fernandez, who later appeared in BBC television programmes El, El Dorado and The Office, was invited to the BBC studio to to appear on Jim Will Fix It. She recalled her experience in a radio interview. She said, I was in my wheelchair, but I just remember Savile's hands being everywhere and just lingering. Those two, three, four seconds are slightly too long in places you shouldn't. It was it was in a busy room full of people in a studio, so it was quite discreetly done. And if you don't kind of realise what's happening at the time, especially when you're a 14-year-old, it's the first time you've ever been in a studio and you're very excited. But I do remember feeling uncomfortable and he had these huge rings on his fingers. Singer Colleen Nolan said Savile invited her to a hotel when she was 14 and had been involved in a TV recording when she was involved in a TV recording at the Top of the Pop studio and how it made her uncomfortable. She says she said but you don't you didn't talk about those things then. Savile's great niece Caroline Robinson said that she had been sexually abused by him twice at family gatherings. She believed some members of the family knew about his abuse but had turned a blind eye to it. So now we're going to go into Duncroft. There is a lot about Duncroft. So just uh, uh, one sec. Just sending me a message. Uh, so Duncroft it is widely reported that between 2007 and 2009, Surrey Police conducted an investigation into reports made against Jimmy Savile at Duncroft School in Staines, Surrey. Duncroft was a boarding school for young girls who had been sent there by a court, usually for committing offences, but sometimes because they were deemed to be on parental control. 
It became apparent that there was the potential for staff to have known abuse was occurring, but neither deliberately ignored what was happening or were aware and actively aided the, the abuse by continuing to allow Saville to visit and have access to the girls. The evidence reviewed by Operation Outreach shows that Jimmy Savile first visited Duncroft on the 21st of January 2000, sorry, 2000. He visited Duncroft on the 21st of January 1974 and ceased visiting when the school closed in 1979 for a restructure of management. Written records show Jimmy Savile attended Duncroft at least 16 times between 1974 and 1979. There is evidence from victim and witness accounts that in, fa- that in fact Jimmy Savile visited the school more frequently. Written records show that Jimmy Savile stayed overnight at Duncroft School on two occasions. Again, there is evidence from victim and witness accounts that he stayed overnight before frequently, whether on his own, whether in his own camper van or in, or in staff quarters. So he stayed overnight in this boarding school. Jimmy Savile is recorded to have visited the hostel Norman Lodge on two occasions and also to have visited pupils in the intensive care unit on two occasions as well. He was, record- he was recorded in logbooks to have taken pupils out with a strong indication that they were uh, unaccompanied by staff on three occasions. Fourteen pupils had previously had contact uh, with Surrey Police as part of Operation Ornament. One of these pupils had was already recognised as a victim of sexual abuse by Jimmy Savile at Duncroft as part of Operation Ornament. Nineteen pupils contacted the operation to give accounts relating to Savile, the details of which were then passed to Surrey Police. Four of these pupils were not victims, but they were witnesses. Bernardo's, which was running the school at the time, supplied Operation Outreach with pupil with with, yeah, with details of pupils and staff present during the years 1974 to 1979. The list contained 116 pupils. 54 pupils have had contact with Surrey Police during the course of Operation Ornament and Outreach. Outreach confirmed that at least 22 pupils and one visitor were victims of sexual abuse by Jimmy Savile at Duncroft. This amounted to at least 46 offences of abuse. 25, so 25 of these offences occurred within the grounds of Duncroft. Six occurred within Norman Lodge, which is the hostel. Uh, so there must have been witnesses to see him bring in people there. And 15 occurred off-site. Uh, within, within the grounds of Duncroft, four offences took, four offences, t- took place inside vehicles brought to the school by Jimmy Savile. Uh, one single offence of abuse took place in each of the following locations. Dining room, kitchen, corridor outside the principal's office, the principal's office, entrance, the TV room, the ICU slash bedrooms. Three offences were described as occurring in the common room. Two are described as occurring in the music room. Four offences are described as occurring in a downstairs corridor. Five offences are described as occurring in an unspecified communal area. Within Norman Lodge, two offences of abuse occurred in an office, two in the living room, and one in the dining room, and one in a bedroom. The nature of Jimmy Savile's offending ranged from non-consensual kissing, I'm sorry about this, touching of breasts over clothing, touching of breasts under clothing, vaginal touching, vaginal penetration with hand, forced masturbation, forced oral sex, and other sexual touching. Referring to the Um, abuse allegations, the former headmistress at the time said that they had the opportunity to tell anybody, 
but it suited them. Some of them, not all of them, to wait 30 years. They're looking for money, they come out of the woodwork for money, I do object to my school being targeted, wild allegations by, made by well-known delinquents. So the headmistress, this was fairly recently, this was like after the accusations came out in 2012, the headmistress didn't give a flying fuck. But yeah, there was a few, um, there was one young boy, there was a boy, there was a guy that, he did an interview, he was the nephew of the headmistress or something, and he said that he visited the school a couple times, apparently the girls were really nice, even when he was really young, they'd babysit him, and some of those girls like murderers as well, but they'd babysit him, and he was fairly, like, nice and chilled and everything they were really nice to him but he when he got older jimmy savile would turn up and he would basically see him take these girls away in his car quite a lot and yeah also in terms of reporting it, it is most is, is known that for a lot of the kids that are in these like children's homes and boarding schools and in the hospitals they're not aware of who he is. They don't get to watch TV all the time. They're not aware who Jimmy Savile is at first. It's only until later when they see him on TV that they realise who he is, who he was that abused them. So when it comes to the events actually happening, a lot of them didn't report it because they didn't know who the guy was. Like they had no idea who he was. Imagine finding that out though. The person that did it has is like on the telly and has like fame on the telly you'd be like holy fuck well it happened so there was a victim at one of the hospitals i think it was leeds uh her accounts ran down here but i can just say because i remember it too vividly from when i read it basically she was got she was booked in for an operation and what there was one moment where she was a bit bored so she went for a wander around the hospital and she went for a little bit of a wander, she went to the canteen and he was working there as a porter so he was doing like a bit of cleaning, he was working around helping the doctors and nurses and everything he was like volunteering. She didn't know who he was. He was in the canteen cleaning or something. He raped her right there and there. She was 10 or something so she didn't know, she knew what happened, what happened was wrong but she was really confused so she went, he took her back to bed and when he left a nurse eventually came in and the little girl said to the nurse oh your your porter hurt me and the nurse was like what do you mean and she's like your porter hurt me and, she, and the nurse was like where did he hurt you and she pointed in between her legs oh that's fucked and the nurse looked at her and went... And the nurse knew exactly who she was talking about. And she and the nurse said to her, You can't tell anyone, otherwise I'll lose my job. And the girl didn't tell anyone. When she went home after her operation... Because Savile would come in a couple of times to do whatever he pleased to her again. When the girl went home, got sent, got discharged from the hospital after her surgery. I think a mum. She then says that she was just like recovering on the sofa, and a mum put the TV on, and um, Jim will fix it came on. Or it was either Jim will fix it or Top of the Pops got came on the TV, and she realised who the porter guy was. 
she didn't know who he was before then. But yeah, there's a lot of accounts like that because they just didn't know because they were either too young or some people just found him fucking creepy so they wouldn't let their kids watch him, which is fair fucking play. Because I asked my parents this. I said to my parents, I was like, how the fuck did you not get an idea by looking at the guy? Like, like nowadays, right? Let's face it. If we see someone that looks a bit creepy, we might just say, looks like a pedo. Yeah, I think... We all do it. We've all fucking... I've said it about one of my old bosses, because to be fair, he fucking did. And I don't regret it, because he was a cunt. But we've all fucking said it. And I remember looking at my mum and dad and went, how the fuck did you not get an inkling just by looking at him? Come on. And my mum just went, well, you just wouldn't think about it, would you? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't, like, that wouldn't be the first assumption you made. Which, to be fair, like, back then, you probably didn't hear about that stuff happening, really. That probably wasn't a thing that was put out in the open. Because, like, it's obvious here that people turned a blind eye and ignored it or covered things up. Whereas nowadays, fuck me. Like, if you, like, nowadays, nonces are getting out here, left, right, and fucking centre. Like, yeah. you, like to, we can say to someone, we can say, like, oh, that person looks like, yeah, because, let's face it, they ain't out with left, right, and fucking center nowadays, which is a good thing, but they are. Yeah, the uh, stingers is what they call them when they get stinged. Mm. Um, I, I, You see them on TikTok or whatnot, but, but obviously back then, you know, you watch the telly or you watch something and you don't think, oh, yeah, that person, you don't. You, that's not something that crossed anyone's mind you know it's just a common thing now that obviously people who used to be on the telly mark of the day oh they did something fucked up a lot and you know it it's a lot of the times it is someone who was on telly in the back um in the 60s 70s 80s or maybe 90s and then obviously you know people are like oh wow you know we just find out about this now I was like, well, yeah, because they didn't get outed then when they were prime. It's only way later on when this sort of stuff's becoming a more prevalent thing, outing folk for this, that they went back and realized, oh, shit, this person who back then we thought was okay isn't. And nowadays it's like, okay, this person is fucked up, but we're not going to wait 30, 40 years to go, oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Any inkling now, you know, we're well, not 100%, but the crackdown is more. And it's so bad that obviously, you know, all the people that got away with it there and then, there wasn't this like sort of like we need to go out and find these folk. You know, they just did their thing, and then years later they'll die or something. And they'll go, oh, now we found out. You know, and it's 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 just the way it was. And obviously, back then, um, and probably still happens now in some cases. But it was like okay, we'll just put this under the carpet, no one will know, we don't want any bad things to come from this, blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll just keep it on the down low. But nowadays, it's like, oh, this celebrity was fucked up? Yeah, we're letting everyone know. Well, we ain't gonna hide this. And then if people were hiding it, they'll get into shit. But back then, it was like, oh, let's not have any of the people who are, like, big on the telly or, you know, British celebrities. Don't have anything like that come out as they're, they're fucked up. We can't have that. Well, yeah. <sighs> like, reading all this shit is 
It has been intense. I mean, it's not as bad, I guess, for younger people because this person or some of these people, it was like, oh, on telly back when we weren't even alive. Yeah, but... whereas we didn't, we didn't get exposed to him being on TV as much. Right? Well, we didn't. But no. he was there at all the charity things on TV, like Children in Need, Red Nose Day, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. He was always at those things. And... Like... So we do it remember would... him. We re- I, rem- yeah. I remember the fucking funeral being on TV. I remember that. We remember slight things, but obviously this is more a thing where like parents or whatnot would go, oh, him? Holy fuck. He was, you know, we just know a lot of things now for celebrities in our generation. It was like, oh, yeah, you know that person? Yeah, they were fucked up. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's not a case of, oh, remember that person? Oh, that was like 20 years ago. Oh, them. Nowadays, like, remember that person? Oh, yeah, this person who's still relevant. Oh, yeah, they did this. Boof, done. For it must have been, It's probably way worse for parents because now it's like, remember like 30 years ago or whatnot when this person was on their prime on the telly? Oh, yeah, I remember them. Well, they were fucked up. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, shit. And it's worse because, because they weren't outed. They were watching them for a very long, long time thinking this person's fine for years later for them to, to you know, someone they watched in the town and thought, oh, I remember that guy. He was a he was a decent British celebrity. Oh, and now it's like, oh, no, he's not. You know, I think it's so um, better in this day and age where if you, you like someone or you um, are a fan of someone and they do something fucked up, it gets outed straight away so it can instantly be like, right, I don't like them anymore, not following them anymore. So yeah. there's no years of still following them thinking they're okay when yeah. in reality you were supporting someone who was fucked up folk get outed and then it's your decision to be like yep yeah, i'm not supporting them anymore boof and get away from that and be safe because there's a lot of people still now who support people who are still outed and for doing a fuck thing oh fuck but yeah. it's a lot better now that people get outed where it's like you know you can say right this this stuff came out and it's like okay i'm not gonna continue on so you don't you, you don't feel like that idiot who's like supporting someone or still following them and everyone else is like well you do realize they're fucked up so anyone uh, who's in anyone who's in the alternative scene knows that too well yeah i mean music is happens all the time but you know and in this day and age lots of people need to address it because if accusations come out and then people don't address stuff that's when it starts getting worse and worse obviously back then they would stop people from actually saying stuff but now there's a lot more open platforms where people can say stuff whereas if accusations come out and then people don't address them then people are going people start to go with the idea of like okay these accusations might be true they're not saying anything and if be a youtuber or whatever whatnot and you don't address anything or your apology or whatnot you said is stupid or you don't address it directly you'll have whole communities just on you and your fame status poof done plummeted you can't come back but obviously like for these people like jimmy back in the day you know, these accusations didn't come out. So he was still in his prime fame. Mm. And he was hinting at it and that sort of... There was no, like, out, boof. His fame just plummeted down. He was still in the limelight. Now people can just go from famous one day, stuff comes out, you're fucked up, nobody supports you, you get so much hate, you're fucked down in the grave, you can't come back from it. And if you try, people don't forget. If you do something now that's fucked up, and say two years later, you try and come back and go, hey, I'm coming back, guys... People in the comments will go, oh, you still did that thing. We didn't fucking forget that. So, you know, your rise to fame can be 
plummet downfall so quickly nowadays because people and loads of people be on that hate train because now we know that if someone's fucked up you can't let this continue on and there's no coming back it's like you fucked it you fucked it you're messed up we ain't gonna support you there's no redemption arc yeah so I've just had a quick skim through the rest of the research we've got at least another hour so um, I think it's a two-parter I think I I mean it was a given as soon as I said the fucking name yeah, I think I think if we do two parts, that means that anything else we want to add or anything that we fi- yes. find that's interesting, exactly. I think we will shove in. But I, it was kind of a given. If anyone saw this one, you know, there there uh, there's a bazillion trillion bits of info that we could add, but there's a lot because this is one of the most notorious cases in British history, mm-hmm. where easily so much has come out of this after he died so we're still even getting more info to this day that you know and for anyone who does the whole because a lot of people said the same thing when all the accusations were coming out why they waited until after he died a lot of them weren't waiting until after he died a lot of people tried for decades nothing worked nothing fucking worked they tried and he had so much power for a lot of people they could see all this happening they could see the accusations, they could see the rumours, they were aware that the people that people knew, they were aware that the police knew, so they waited until after he died because they're like, the power's gone now. People can know our shit now. The power's gone. He's gone. We can talk now. He's not got control um, of us anymore. See, this is... Especially this case is a prime example of not, a lot of things in British media now, people getting hate... Uh, towards sending their hate towards because you know nowadays the way you can express your opinions or whatnot is way more ways to do it than you did back in the day you know power of the internet we've got a podcast we can express our stuff here there's so many ways you can do stuff now compared to obviously back then and this is a classic example of just a, one of the, the few things um, out of a bazillion things that the B- British media, public um, stuff, blah, 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 whatever you want to say, does wrong and get criticised for because, you know, or, you know, uh, wherever you live, there'll be things that you, uh, about your country that you don't like, that you criticise, you know, maybe the government's run, you know, the police force, this, that, you criticise it because it's bad. This is one of the cases that the media and specifically the BBC gets a lot of slack for and yes people still continue to watch BBC programs or whatnot but this is one of the biggest cases where people gave the media slack for the British Broadcasting Corporation the BBC and other media outlets knowing stuff but just keeping it under the carpet and we're not on BBC Sounds and we don't probably plan to ever be on BBC Sounds yeah for this exact reason (laughs) People gave a lot of hate towards the BBC and still do now because a big media or the biggest company for media in Britain knowing all this information for a long time and shoving it under the carpet. Now, there's a lot of things in the UK we can say that the British um, whatever shoves under the carpet and tries to keep it hidden, which is why uh, people don't like the... uh, the way our media is run and how this stuff happens and especially like government stuff and government gets hidden and then when it comes out 
It's like people knew this. And this is why the British probably get so pissed off and um, we get so annoyed now because uh, you never want it to be too late and then, oh, this stuff comes out after. So because, as we mentioned a million times, that after he died, all this stuff's coming out now, people were pissed where it was like, you waited until the person died so that, you know, they can't face the consequences of their actions. And then, yeah, we knew this and release it now. And how does that make the British public feel? You know, people trusted the BBC for them to just have all this and keep it hidden away so that there's this nice, clean, squeaky clean slate where, oh, no, the BBC don't want any backlash. We don't want, you know, us to seem like we supported someone who was fucked up. Just wait till they die and then just out all or like the police know. And a case of, as you mentioned, people knowing they can't say anything because the people above them will just prevent that. And because the people who were higher up had the power to stop anything coming out, it's just fucked. And it's so frustrating, especially uh, people who were working around at that time, knowing that they wanted to say something, like we said with John Lydon, but just knowing fine well that whatever they say, it's not coming out. And knowing that if you do say something, that your job's fucked or you'll get fucked repercussions from this, which is so stupid, you know, outing someone who's fucked and you'd get repercussions from doing that, which would make negative effect on your life. You know, you might lose your job at the BBC or you might have had something else, etc., etc. You know, people are all for free speech. Or some people are against, you know, like free speech, depending on whatever you are. But like the fact that you couldn't say something outing a fucked individual who's in the prime spotlight, big spotlight for the British, you know, one of the biggest British people on TV at the time, knowing you can't say anything about this and knowing he's in the public eye and everyone's thinking it's fine, but you know fine well it's not and you can't say anything. It's fucked. I mean, yeah. papers as well. There's a lot of papers that the British public don't like because of the way some stuff's portrayed. Uh, I do not support the sun. Don't ever support the sun. They are completely fucked up. Uh, just in general, the British media really don't think sometimes with stuff. It just goes ahead, and then it's like, whoops, we fucked up. I mean, the, us British people have fucked up for years, but I hate the sun. I mean, it doesn't relate, but the sun did an absolutely horrible article on when we had a train derailment up here, and the title they put, and the, like the front page cover and the title was just so like demoralizing to the victims and the families and it was unbelievably fucked and after that and me and loads of other people were like yeah fuck you son and the son was like oh we apologize like no one even had a thought in their brain to think that yeah that was wrong we shouldn't put that on the paper somebody greenlit that and went yeah that's fine that's fucked up and they think that's okay and then oh whoops you know well, I mean like the sun's always been a pile of shit especially when well the sun's banned in Liverpool because of how they dealt with the Hillsborough disaster yeah like so much stuff just doesn't get thought about it and just if you know either fucking up that way or just hiding stuff f- for so long and then oops comes out is one of the, the two worst things that the British media does and it riles the public and it riles the public everywhere but you know where we live in a time where you know 
not much can really be done in terms of uh, just getting your say out there because these bigger corporations just push everything down and you know we we get so riled and I don't say we should riot or do any of that nonsense that some people do nah don't do that but you know it's uh, it's not a squeaky clean nice cooperation in media etc we have here it's still got its flaws and it will continue to have its flaws and you know we don't know the full story of what goes on but this is definitely the biggest one for why a load of people would hate the BBC. Well, I mean, it's the reason but, why I hate the BBC. I mean, programs get run on there now, and we just we just have to watch programs that run on there. That's just the only if you thing, like your program, the only it's good on the thing BBC. That came out of the BBC was Doctor Who, and that is facts, and that's it. Yeah, it's it. it's just it's the fucking real ass pain in the ass that. Knowing the BBC just hides shit. But the, yeah, because they won't even talk shit about the royal family or anything. They won't say fucking anything, no matter how much shit they fucking pull. If it's like anyone's connected to the BBC, they will not say any fucking bad word about them unless they are demanded to do so because the allegation will be so bad. Other than that, they don't fucking touch it because they know that they've covered for most of it. They don't fucking touch it. They're like, no. Thing is- you can see it now on the telly when people know that they can't say something. Or, you know, when uh, you see it in loads of shows where people will say something and then, you know, the chat source or someone else will go, oh, I can't really. Or you see it in their face, they know they can't say anything because they're on the telly. And it's like, oh, you can't say that. But, like, back in the day, yeah. you know, people were saying stuff and there was no, like, oh, well, whoops, he, he said that sort of thing. You know, like, as we mentioned, he was hinting at it. Oh, yeah. But there, there was no, like, oh, I can't really say that. He, he had the willy-nilly. But, like, now, people wouldn't dare joke about that sort of stuff on the telly or hint at that, because no. if they did, you know, or mention, like, certain jokes towards folk, because, obviously, incidents like this that happen, people can joke about them now, but people go give that ooh sort of reaction, because it's like, yeah, although we have a dark sense of humour, that was very bad. And... Especially like a lot of comedy shows. I watch them and they make jokes and people go, well, that's not making it or you're not coming back on this show again because yeah. the corporation company will go, nah. Like, because like, obviously they cancelled Frankie Boyle from Mock the Week. He was making dark jokes and they went, no, no, too dark. Can't have him on the show. Get him off. You know, unless the Ofcom complaints come in. Ofcom is the regulator for TV shows. People complain about stuff. Yeah. Um, which is, which happens a lot. I, I, I love... Um, watching shows where it's like TV that's gone wrong or whatnot. And there's a lot of cases where thousands of complaints have come in from Ofcom and then the, the corporate has to go, oh yeah, we fucked up. Yeah, we won't have that sort of thing. Or an incident happened and then they have to take it off. And it's only when the public really get riled and then they start worrying going, uh-oh. But obviously at the time, not a lot of the public knew about this. So there wasn't this big riling of get this man off the telly. It's only afterwards when they released everything, they were like, oh, this man's really fucked up. But back then, there was no people going, get this man off the telly. Because they thought he was, wasn't was a fucked individual. So the BBC were fine. It's like, oh, you know, we're not going to get thousands of complaints because the, we know that if they complain, that we, we're, we're just going to shut them down. So we don't have to worry about all these Ofcom or complaints to the telly. And then he dies. And then everyone starts slating the media. It's like, oh, he's dead now. Oh, dear. What, what what the fuck can happen now? He's dead. And they, I know that I know the BBC planned that. 
yeah. Just okay. wait, wait till the man passes away, and then, oh, we could just release this stuff now. Oh, yeah. And I feel for anyone that works knowing this information and knowing they couldn't say anything. Well, yeah. But yeah, guys, that is part one of Jimmy Savile. We will be with you next week for part two because there is a lot more on this fucking cunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more. And obviously, if you do your research or try and find stuff, you can find clips, but obviously a lot of stuff he's in is now edited or chopped mm. out because I will say that's one thing that we uh, the media does and I think other media corporates do this as well you have to go back and just edit out everything or don't do reruns of this or yeah. don't listen to that and it's even bad me you know googling or even having to do the research I will say I don't know what you're like Lauren but even me just researching about this guy I'm like I don't really want to have this in my history yeah. Just having his sort of stuff there. Because it's a weird thing to have to have in your search history and someone go, why the fuck are you searching that? But obviously, stuff he's been in, it's like, we we, we can't show that again, obviously. Yeah. And you just have to erase all that media now, which is what the BBC, I think, has done. Yeah, but I it's, think they have it's done. So, it, it's, it shows shitty of them to go, yeah, everything's fine. We know he's fucked up. And then knowing that, oh, well... You know, if he gets outed, we're gonna have to fucking clear clear all this uh, media away. And um, if he's not, then we don't have to. But obviously, like I said, you know, I've watched the clip on top of the pops. Oh, he's there. Oh, that's it. Fucked now. You know, anything that people had recollections of with him in it, it's fucking tarnished now. Yeah, thank you guys for listening to this very grim episode. We'll see you guys next week for part two. Uh, so yeah, don't 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 go anywhere. Now for listening for part two. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Bye.